Are you afraid of me? You should be. There's a plan. Show him. You're gonna need more men. I'm back. You've been back enough. <laughs> Here we go! His shoe is bigger than his car. Shoot something! I need a weapon. Yours. My big weapon's hanging right where it is. Rated R. Starts August 17th. <laughs> yes, that is the uh, one of the TV spots to The Expendables. N number two, uh, second of The Expendables movie. Not really sci-fi, but got a lot of 80s uh, action stars in it. And I thought it's... Bleh. I saw the first one and liked it, so it looks pretty fun. Anyway, you are listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. I'm Rico, your host. Today is August the 19th, 2012. And this will be podcast 398. Just a couple away from 400 and our big anniversary show on Labor Day weekend. On today's show, we're going to be looking at a, a favorite older TV series of mine from the early 80s. I guess it's sort of appropriate. We've got sort of an 80s uh, throwback time coming with that Expendables 2 movie. And uh, there's another Schwarzenegger movie coming and another Stallone movie coming uh, early next year. Anyway, we're going to look at the TV show The Greatest American Hero, which is... Uh, it's sort of about an anti-hero in a way, or at least a guy who doesn't really want to be a hero. Uh, uh, the uh, the show uh, is is something that I've always enjoyed. It's got a lot of charm and a lot of fun uh, elements to it. Not too serious, but just a cool show. I've talked about it a few times on the podcast before, and we're going to cover it a little bit more in depth and with clips and things on today's podcast. And uh, talk a little bit about Trek, uh, other things going on in the geek world, and uh, and just uh, have a, a cool show, I hope. So everyone, uh, let's do it.
All right, I hope everyone's doing well. It's been a couple of weeks since I spoke to you last. I want to again thank the Ricardos uh, for doing that cool show last week on Logan's Run. Uh, really uh, a great uh, job on that, and I, I hope to come back and do another uh, project or a podcast for us sometime. The uh, the last couple of weeks, I guess, moved pretty quickly for me, it seems like. There's a uh, not a huge amount of uh, new geek stuff. Uh, well, there's a f- some Trek stories I'm going to get to in a moment or two. But television-wise, uh, I've uh, been watching the regular series like Warehouse 13 and Alphas. I'm all caught up on those, I think. Uh, there's um, also uh, some other shows on, not really uh, th- you know, too much genre things until the fall season starts although the tv series grim uh has started back up again it's now at least right now it's on monday nights late on monday nights 10 o'clock eastern time at least here in the states uh it's good to have that show back already uh i'm not quite sure why or uh, they've brought it back so soon and i'm not sure even if it's going to stay on monday nights at 10 o'clock or not for uh, nbc but it's a cool show fantasy show And uh, things are getting a lot more interesting. You know, a lot of times in a first season, when you get to the second season of a show, they can really start digging into things. uh, And and they get an idea after the first season, kind of the way they want to go with the show. And it kind of, I I noticed that uh, things are getting a lot more deep and interesting on Grimm. And and, uh, I think that's a good good thing. And, um, uh, you know, I really enjoy the cast and the show. So that is fun to see. Also, Warehouse 13 has been good this season, this summer, and uh, Alphas as well. Alphas I'm starting to enjoy. I enjoyed it last year in the first season, but again, I think the second season, things have got a, you know, a little deeper, a little bit more interesting uh, uh, things going on with that show. So lots of cool stuff to see, and uh, I think I talked about it in the last podcast. I did see Total Recall uh, and enjoyed it, and uh, I don't think it's been doing that great at the box office, unfortunately, but I, I still feel it's a pretty fun movie to see. Uh, also, uh, even though they're not really sci-fi so much, but I played that Expendables 2 trailer. I'd like to see that. And uh, also the uh, the Bourne movie, the new Bourne Legacy movie. Uh, I guess there's sort of some sci-fi, you know, kind of elements in it. He's supposed to be sort of, sounds like he's sort of been adjusted or altered genetically or at some level to make him this super soldier kind of character. Uh, they're bringing that more out, at least from the previews I've seen. So I'd like to see those sometimes sometime and uh, both of those films got some other stuff coming for the fall uh looper and dread uh, i think those will be out in the next month or so uh to see those films and uh and then there's this one called cloud atlas if you haven't seen that preview i don't remember if i mentioned it yet on the podcast but uh, tom hanks halle berry are in it uh, a bunch of other people and it, it's from the wachowskis uh you know that now brother and sister team i guess they uh it's set in like three or so different time periods and these some of the actors in the movie play different characters at different times i don't even really know how to explain it except go watch uh on youtube or somewhere the trailer to it uh it, it's pretty crazy looking and uh very uh, different and i i think that's going to be a uh, an interesting movie to see by far you know they did uh, the matrix and kind of blew everyone away with that and I think that uh, there's, uh, you know, a lot of more interesting things coming from uh, them as well. And this movie, Cloud Atlas, is is one of them, I think, I hope. So uh, lots of stuff, lots of things to uh, to keep up on and, uh, and to watch and enjoy uh, at the movies and uh, on your TV. So, uh, so there. 
Uh, last weekend, we had the big Star Trek con in Vegas. I think I'll uh, maybe I'll talk a little bit about that uh, and uh, some other Star Trek news. I'm going to take a short break here, get some uh, green tea, and uh, as they say in the back in the West, wet my whistle. <laughs> Is that what they used to really say? I don't, I don't know. Speaking of the West, uh, a sort of a Western, modern Western series that just finished Longmire uh, with uh, Katie Sackhoff, of course, who played Battlestar Galactica's Starbuck in the new series, and uh, a, a solid cast just finished its summer run. It'll be back for another season. Not sci-fi, but uh, it, it's a really good series, really solid series, some great scenery. It's shot out the West, uh, and uh, I highly recommend it. Uh, try to catch up on that if you get a chance, so. Anyway, I'm going to take a break. I'll be back with some Trek talk. Have you ever experienced uncontrollable bouts of geekdom? If so, the Anomaly podcast may be right for you. In clinical studies, Anomaly's interviews, convention reports, commentary on geek culture, games, sci-fi and fantasy television, literature, and film provided a feeling of fullness while promoting health for optimal geekiness. The Anomaly Podcast is not suitable for all people. Only geekily active cool chicks with a healthy sense of humor should listen. Geekily active cool guys should listen, too. Anomaly has resulted in sudden fits of squee. Broad smiles may appear without warning and could become permanent. The most common side effects of Anomaly are unconsciously joining in the Gamma Quadrant golf clap, out loud, at work, to the amusement of co-workers, and attempting to interject opinions aloud to hosts who can't hear the listener. But in all cases, the benefits outweigh the risks. Ask your anomaly if you're healthy enough for entertainment of this caliber. You don't need a doctor's messy handwriting to obtain a free subscription. Anomaly is available over the counter at Stitcher Radio and in the iTunes, Zune, and Blackberry stores. You can also stream episodes of Anomaly and Anomaly Supplemental at anomalypodcast.com. That's A-N-O-M-A-L-Y podcast.com. Just one one-hour episode provides 24 hours of relief and never leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Music by jewelbeat.com. Okay, I'm back. Uh, one of the biggest, uh, I think the biggest, uh, one of the coolest and biggest stories or Trek-related uh, things that came up in the last couple of weeks is that uh, a company called La La Land, uh, it, uh, they produce soundtracks, uh, I think primarily, and they are going to be releasing a, a 15-CD box set of music from the original Star Trek series. And this is, is, is very cool. Sometime this fall, they haven't announced when it's going to be available or the exact price. And we've been kind of having a little bit of a guessing game on the forum about what the price might end up being. And uh, But uh, they are going to release it. This is a, a completely, I think, remastered set, uh, 15 CDs of music, all from the original series. Let me read a little bit of their... Um, their blurb here. La La Rand Records uh, proudly announces its forthcoming release of Star Trek The Original Series Soundtrack Collection, a limited 15-CD box set showcasing all episode score, scores as heard in all three original seasons of the landmark sci-fi television series Star Trek. This special collection of groundbreaking, iconic music from one of television's most acclaimed and beloved series 
has been newly remastered from studio elements and features hours of stellar material previously unreleased in any format. Uh, so with original series composers such as Alexander Courage, George Dunning, Jerry Fielding, Gerald Fried, Sol Kaplan, Samuel Motowski, Joseph Mullendore, and Fred Steiner are all re- represented in this deluxe collection. And this historic work, meticulously assembled, restored, and remastered to ensure the finest presentation and sound quality possible. A 100-page CD booklet featuring exclusive in-depth liner notes from film music writer and Star Trek historian Jeff Bond complements this attractive set, which is housed in a hardcover slipcase. Anyway, um, let me play a little bit. There's a, a, a YouTube video up. I'm not going to play it all. It's about five minutes long, but I'll play a little bit of it. This is a little bit of uh, on this uh, very cool collection. You know, they've released uh, TOS uh, scores and music and soundtracks and stuff from the original series on a few other CDs in the past, but this this collection looks to be pretty much second to none, and, and nearly a complete uh, you know look at uh, original series Star Trek music, and it's going to be a must buy for me, that's for sure. So anyway, listen to this a bit of the video from uh, and advertising, I guess in a way, for this set from La La Land of the TOS music. instantly transports you because those opening notes are so evocative anything can happen and this music takes you right to that moment where you're going oh we're seeing something new here those pieces have memories for us all now not only from the shows themselves but of our own lives as we've experienced star trek just hearing this music brings home all the good feelings you have about star trek There's certain soundtracks, like when you start a soundtrack company, that you dream that you might be able to do. Trek was always about the human condition, and I think the music, it has that in it. And I think that's both what made the show and the music timeless. It's not the weird sci-fi music you would get in some films. Like, Day of the Earth still is a wonderful score, but with the theremin going, it's, you know, it's sci-fi music. With Star Trek, it's a little more timeless adventure music, kind of like what John Williams did with Star Wars, but Star Trek was doing it you know, 10 years before Star Wars. The original series was much more theatrical in terms of the acting, so the music all reflected that. It was huge and very expressive and thematic, but that makes it very exciting to listen to apart from the show. I don't think there's you know any geek out there who, you know, when they're playing around fighting with their buddy, doesn't automatically start humming the Kirk versus Spock fight cue. The Star Trek was an important series to a lot of people, and now with this set, we're able to yeah, so that gives you a little bit of a taste for uh, what they're doing there, and I guess it, it is supposed to be a pretty complete set uh, with uh, you know music, any music that was ever heard on the series showing up on this 15 CD collection. So uh, I'll have a post up uh, online for you can learn more uh, if you just go to La La Land's uh, website. It's called LaLaLandRecords.com. Uh, all together as one word, and uh, you will be able to learn more. And I think you can even sign up to be like notified when it goes on sale. So my guess it's probably going to end up costing around $200 for something like this based on the number of CDs and compared to other collections that they've put out. So uh, a definite uh, purchase for us, uh, you know, lovers of the original series and lovers of the music. And like the one guy said in, in that, uh, I think it was Jeff Bond talking 
you know, the original series, the great thing about the music, it is a lot of fun to me to listen to outside of the series. It's very, uh, you know, just orchestrated, you know, orchestral, I guess is the better word. You know, much like the Star Wars music, it has uh, a lot to it. It's not very subtle at all. And, and that's what I love about it. You know, it's very, very, uh, it's just cool to listen to. It's cool music. And it always reminds me, you know, I, I anytime I hear a certain section or a certain piece, it reminds me of certain things in the original series going on when that would have been used the the interesting thing you know about trek like a lot of other older series and i think even current ones you know it's not like for every episode they would write all new music you know music is sometimes reused occasionally in bits here and there uh but there are certain um elements and certain themes that you hear kind of in certain scenes that really stick with you. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it and pretty excited. Even though it is going to be expensive, I, I think it's going to be worth it. There's no word yet. I don't think these guys, La La Land, really puts out digital versions of much of their stuff that I can, that I've noticed. So it may be something you do have to buy on good old CD, but, uh, you know, maybe eventually it will be in digital format that you can purchase cheaper. Uh, perhaps we'll see how that goes, but, uh, I'm looking forward to it quite a bit on Star Trek, the, the gaming front, uh, Gamescon in Germany, uh, happened about a week ago and they released another trailer for that new uh, Star Trek game that's set in the JJ Abrams universe. And it, it's looking pretty cool. It has kind of a, a mass effect look, to it and uh but it looks a lot of fun on another gaming front for trek i'm not i'm not sure when that i think that game isn't due out by the way that the one that they, they just released the new trailer for uh set in the jj verse i think it's just called star trek the the game uh it won't be out until 2013 i'm guessing it's probably gonna come out not that long before the next movie kind of a little bit of a uh you know a way to advertise for that perhaps or get interest going uh, the other game, there was a web-based game, a, a browser game, I think, that it was supposed to be called, I think it was called Infinite Space that's been worked on for a while, and I guess that got canceled. They, they've decided not to uh, not to continue with that game, uh, and, uh, you know, things like that happen. You know, there are always uh, projects that happen in anything, whether it's Star Trek or other stuff that get worked on for a while, and, and then they just, you know, stop and, and then, you know, they just decide to don't not do it. So there's still nothing really much in the way of news about the next film that comes out next May 2013. Uh, there's a couple of stories going on. There wasn't much that came out, unfortunately, of the Vegas Con last week related to it. They had a lot of good panels. There's stuff online, checktrekmovie.com. They got a pretty good rundown. Some photographs over at roddenberry.com. Uh, also, uh, you know, some some of the interviews and some of the panels on video are up online on YouTube and that. So, But nothing much there at the convention in Vegas came out that I can find about the movie. There was a little talk in an interview with Benedict Cumberbatch again, saying he didn't have a whole lot of time to prep when he got the role of uh, in the Star Trek movie. I think that has partly to do with they they had to change actors. You know, there was all this talk of Benicio del Toro playing the lead villain, and they got very close to signing him, and I guess that didn't work out. So I think they had to kind of scramble there for their lead actor at the end. So he didn't get much of a chance to prepare for the role, but uh, he said uh, it still went well, and he, and he thinks it's going to be an exciting movie. So I, I think we all would, <laughs> I think we all kind of agree with him, but we'd love to learn more um, about what you know what this movie's all about. 
There was also a week or so ago, uh, William Shatner uh, threw out the first pitch for a Dodgers game where they had a Star Trek night, I guess, out there. And, uh, you know, for a guy who's like, what is he, 70s, in his mid-70s now, something like that, um, he, you know, he was managed to throw the pitch pretty well, actually threw it over the plate and got it to the to the catcher. And, uh, you know, if for, you know, there's a lot of people that go out and throw out these first pitches of games that completely miss the mark, you know, completely you know pitchers when they're in pro baseball make it look so easy not only do they throw balls that these these you know very good athletes and hitters can't hit but they got to throw it in a strike zone that's pretty small and you know so people get out there and they throw these first pitches and they think oh that shouldn't be that hard i just got to throw it over the plate and uh, you know a lot of them don't do very well but william shatner he managed to uh to uh to throw it over pretty well so i good for him and uh what else we've got going on I guess that's about all I wanted to cover. There's more Star Trek comics, of course, coming. The original, or the um, original, the ongoing series of Star Trek is, has been pretty good. There's a Tribble storyline going on right now in that. And also, uh, there is, of course, the Star Trek Doctor Who crossover. Where I think we're up to issue, th- is it three or four now? Uh, but that's been good. Uh, very much uh, enjoying that. So, uh, always good stuff to read, both in comics and books for Star Trek. So, uh, lots of stuff. And uh, I'm sure more to come. I think, you know, at this point in time, when we're going to get some information on the movie, you know, it's hard to say. But uh, hopefully we'll be able to uh, get a mini, you know, teaser trailer sometime here this fall. I, I got to believe we won't make it through till the end of this year without a teaser. Uh, right now, it's probably looking like it won't happen until maybe October or November, I would think. But uh, I, I, I'm still surprised we haven't seen anything at all. <laughs> Part of me wonders if they're keeping it all under wraps because they're worried about, you know, all the Star Trek fans not being completely pleased with what the direction is that they're going. Uh, you know, this idea that it's going to be possibly Khan or, or somebody like Khan, you know, the obvious thing is, is that fans are going to get up in arms that you're just basically repeating Wrath of Khan, which everyone knows is a great movie. Why would you go and try to reboot, you know, a movie that's so well-loved by, you know, not just Star Trek fans, but I think movie movie fans in general. So if it is that, maybe they're a little hesitant to let people know about that. So I'm not sure. I, I think they, uh, they're they getting to the point now where it's kind of silly to, to hold everything back so much. Uh, it's it gets to the point where you know it's time to just at least hey what's the title going to be of the movie give us a little bit of taste of it you know let us start to get a little excited about it it's less than a year away i mean sometimes you get tastes and 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 looks at movies multiple years in advance uh so who knows um but we you know hey less than a year what is it about nine months worth and we'll, we'll be seeing the movie, so <laughs> we'll know by then what it's about, right? All right, I'm going to take a little break, and then we will come back with a look at uh, the Greatest American Hero television series. Are you a fan of the award-winning web series The Guild? Then join us for Knights of the Guild podcast, their official fan podcast. But it's not like your typical fan podcast, as the host, Kenny, has been working on The Guild since Season 2 and takes his listeners behind the scenes with exclusive interviews, special guest hosts, little-known behind-the-scenes facts, and so much more. So come on over to iTunes and download Knights of the Guild podcast, or find us online at knightsoftheguild.com. Okay, The Greatest American Hero, uh, this television series. Uh, let me give you uh, a little bit of background, and then I'll tell you what I uh, when I first got into this show. 
Uh, Greatest American Hero is an American comedy drama television series that had aired for three seasons from 1981 to 1983 on ABC. It was created by producer Stephen J. Cannell, and it premiered as a two-hour pilot movie on March 18, 1981. It starred William Catt as teacher Ralph Hinckley, and a little bit more on Ralph's last name here in a, in a few moments. Robert Culp, a veteran actor Robert Culp, was FBI agent Bill Maxwell, and Connie Selica played lawyer, lawyer Pam Davidson. Sorry, I blurb that over. <laughs> anyway, so you had Robert Culp, Connie Selica, and William Catt as the main three characters in this show, and... You know, there's always something good about having a sort of a main three set, I think, for uh, a, a series. It worked in Trek, and it works very well here. You have uh, kind of, you know, this reluctant hero in, in Ralph Hinckley's character, William Catt. He's the greatest American hero. You've got the steady, you know, sturdy, reliable, experienced FBI agent Bill Maxwell. And then you got Ralph's uh, girlfriend and a lawyer and, and the woman of the bunch in a way and and that plays you know uh, off both of the characters the main characters uh connie selica playing lawyer uh, pam davidson it's just a good good mix there interesting thing about that is that uh connie selica's character of pam wasn't really supposed to be a regular on the series when it first started they were going to give ralph uh kind of a you know girlfriend every other week or something like that you know different females were going to come in and go uh, but they really liked connie as pam and she w she really worked well with the other cast members and so they kept her basically as a, as a pretty much a regular uh on on the series you know she wasn't featured hugely in all the episodes you know some episodes more than others but she was a pretty big part of it i mean it was mostly about ralph and uh bill maxwell and agent maxwell's characters those two for the most part but you know pam was in it a lot too so you had some secondary characters too ralph was a teacher a high school teacher and some of the students that he dealt with and i'll talk a little bit more about those became a little bit part of the series in different ways and uh, some of the actors you'll recognize um the two probably biggest of those were michael perry and faye grant were uh high school kids <laughs> who basically uh who looked like they were basically in college at least uh uh i don't know their ages at the time but they got to have been at least in their early 20s i would say uh, michael perry was tony and Faye was Rhonda. Interesting thing about Faye uh, Grant, she got ended up getting married to Stephen Collins, uh, you know, who is of course known to all of us from the Star Trek: The Motion Picture and and, and many other projects. He's on Seventh Heaven, uh, Tales of the Gold Monkey, and, and lots of other cool stuff. Cool stuff. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to intersperse as we talk about this. I just watched the pilot episode again. I have the complete series on DVD. It ran for a total of uh, three seasons, like I said earlier, 44 episodes uh, from on March of 1981 to February of 1983, all on ABC. Uh, but uh, I went through the, the pilot uh, this morning, grabbed some clips, so I'm going to play those. Talk about the pilot because it's a, a pretty critical episode uh, because this is where everything gets started. Uh, Ralph gets the super suit and, and everything like that. The basic premise of this uh, series is that 
It's about Ralph's adventures after a group of aliens give him this red suit that give him superhuman abilities, much like Superman. His abilities are kind of like that. Uh, unfortunately, though, uh, Ralph, uh, one of the key things that happens in the pilot episode, the first episode, is Ralph loses. They're out in the desert when this all happens, and he's walking along after he gets this, and he loses the instruction book. There's a little instruction book that tells you how to use this this super suit, and he loses it. It falls out of this container, and it falls in on into the desert. And so, basically, one of the things, one of the main things about the show is Ralph trying to learn to use the suit and use the powers without having a guide uh, to go by. So there's a lot of trial and error. The suit doesn't always do what they need it to do when they need it to do it. So uh, there's there's comedy from that, and and it puts them in a little bit more danger than if Ralph had give, given a suit that he completely would know how to work. And it makes it a lot more interesting, I think, and a lot more uh, drama because of that. So, uh, uh, but let's play one of the clips. I think the first one I'm going to play for you. This is as Ralph comes into. He deals with some. Let's just say some not so. Uh, good students some some troubled students and he comes into class and kind of the first uh, episode slams down this chair because they're all kind of goofing around so anyway that's what this first clip is and uh give it a listen good morning good morning got here, elimination or main event? Oh, we was having a discussion about current events. Yeah. Sort of a recap on yesterday's class, Mr. H? Name's Ralph Hinckley, Tony, not oh, Mr. H. Who cares, out. huh? I mean, what cares about you? You're just this month's check and call, Jim. You don't make no difference to me. Hey, how about I show you my right hook after class? How about that, Mr. H? Oh, maybe that's not a bad idea, Tony. Suppose I call Coach Freeman and tell him you and I are going to do three three-minute rounds in the gym. Gloves and head. Why not now, sucker? We don't need no headgear. No, I got something else planned for today, but we'll do it tomorrow. Oh, oh, oh! Do I love this? Do I love this? How about this, Ronda? Huh? You're a clown, Tony. Yeah, okay, okay. Hey, we're getting out of here today. We're going on a field trip. What? A field trip? <laughs> Man, we never go nowhere. Ain't nobody told you? See, this class gets loose in public. Everybody's insurance premiums go up. <laughs> Race for a van. We're gonna go out to the desert together. The desert? Yeah, I want you guys to see some stuff out there. <laughs> Call it a geological trip. Yeah, it's a good uh, opening, uh, one of the scenes there uh, early in the first pilot episode. It uh, establishes Ralph's character. He doesn't really take a lot of crap from these kids, even though they've uh, always given crap to, to other teachers and even tried to give some to him. But he, he just kind of stands his ground, and they end up going out in the desert. I think it's kind of funny what, what I when I watch this. It, it's, it looks, you know, some of this stuff that you see is a little dated, of course. I mean, this is from, gosh, 30 years ago now, this TV show. But the, the way these, um, even at the time I remember first when I was seeing it, the way the students act is a little bit ridiculous. For one, the the accents and stuff that they try to use are kind of funny because this is set out west. Obviously, it's in California, and they're speaking like they're from the Bronx or something like that. I think it's kind of funny. Of course, I, I guess you could have had some people move from New York to L.A. and go to school there, but it, it's just 
it's the tough guy thing, I guess, that you can't have a tough guy without that kind of, you know, hey, what are you doing, Mr. H? Hey, what are you, you know, well, let's go three rounds right now, you know. Just you can't, you know, be a tough guy without talking like that. So anyway. <laughs> um, but uh so we got Ralph Hinckley. And let me tell you a little bit about the name situation, what happened here. Uh, for those probably will know, uh, you know, there was an assassination attempt on, on Ronald Reagan by a guy named John Hinckley, and that happened on March 30th, not too long after this TV series, March 30th of 81. That was just a couple of weeks after this series started. So, of course, they got a character here, even though, you know, it's just so what it's just they have the same last name. Does that mean, you know, he's a bad guy? Uh, so they had decided towards the end of the first season they wanted to change Ralph's last name to Hanley. Uh, and so they called him most of the time during the show Ralph or Mr. H. Uh, so they they decided, though, the funny thing about this all is, is they did sort of change his name uh, to Ralph Hanley for a little bit. Even uh, there's an episode where you can see his name on, on the door uh, to, uh, to his office. But then it, once they got back to the second season, they actually changed his name just back to Hinckley. I guess they figured enough time had passed uh, since the assassination attempt thing. And they just kept it pretty much that uh, as well. Uh, there were a couple other weird things that happened in a couple later episodes either. Sometimes his name was spelled Hunkley, and, 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 and it just, it just became kind of a running gag a little bit. But So that's a little bit about on Ralph's uh, last name, uh, what went on with that. Uh, next clip I want to play for you is a little bit later in the episode. They run into, um, they go to, as they're on their little trip out to the desert, they run into Bill Maxwell for the first time. He's in a diner just eating a piece of pie. Uh, and uh, Tony, uh, one of Ralph's students there, kind of gives uh, Maxwell a hard time. So listen to this. Hey, hey, you. Yeah, that's right. I'm talking to you. You got a problem or something? You don't like the way I look? Hey, Tony, come on, hey, hey. come on, sit down. Get loaded, this guy. Looks like he uh, stole Elliot Ness's wardrobe or something. I don't like the way you look. How about that? Come on, Tony, let's get this guy the day off, all right? Hey, what am I, spit, huh? This guy looks at me like I'm uh, some kind of bug, some kind of nothing bug, a cockroach. You're looking something. for trouble. You've just come across the West Coast distributor. Yeah. Oh, 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 I love this. We got a smart mouth on our hands. Get this guy cooled out, all right? If you're gonna run around with the monkeys, you gotta remember to bring the cages. It saves trouble up front. Yeah, come on. But then, like they say, clothes don't make the man. I mean, uh, if you want just like Archie Bunker going to church, I mean, uh, whose business is that but yours, right? I mean, uh, I'm real loose on that point. Come on, Tony. Why don't you go look at the menu? Yeah, right. I'm gonna go take a look at the menu. Take any more of these things off you, I'm gonna have to open a shop in Tijuana. Now go on. Sit down. Hey, man, don't worry about it. Listen, I'm sorry. That's nice. That makes everything all right, then. I said, I'm sorry, what do you want, a trip to Europe? Leave me alone, pal, I got my own problems. Oh, yeah, sure, you bet. Listen, uh, 
We're a special ed class. We're here on a field trip. Now, sometimes these kids, they get a little raunchy, that's all. Now, I apologize. I'd like to buy your lunch or something. Yeah, what you couldn't really tell in that clip is uh, Tony there pulls a knife out at one point, and, and Maxwell, uh, Agent Maxwell, uh, Robert Culp's character, pulls out his gun. <laughs> so he wins. You know, he's he's wearing his, he, you know, he always pretty much wore a suit and a tie, you know, like an FBI agent like he was or is in the series. And, uh, you know, Tony's just kind of making fun of his outfit and, uh gives him a hard time and Maxwell doesn't really take much crap from anyone. <laughs> so that kind of is the first time we meet Bill Maxwell and kind of establishes his character. You know, he's this no-nonsense kind of FBI agent. And even though Ralph is trying to work with these kids, you know, Maxwell doesn't really care about him at all. He's 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 just, um, you know, just trying there, sitting there in the diner, trying to mind his own business and gets, you know, but he won't you know, take any garbage from anyone. And, uh, and then Ralph tries to apologize to him and he's like, you know, just go away, kid. I got my own problem. So, uh, it's, it's a good scene. Anyway, there's, um, this leads to a few other things that'll happen in this first episode. And then that leads to Maxwell and, and Ralph meeting up out in the desert in the evening that night, uh, when I, the, their vehicles break down and that leads to the big scene. one of the biggest scenes in the series, at least in the pilot and sets the stage for everything is when the aliens show up and give them the super suit. Bill. Hello, Bill. John, is that you? Bill, I'm in the spaceship. Now the people here want you and Ralph Hinkley to work for them. They want Mr. Hinkley to accept the gift which contains these unearthly powers. Unearthly powers? It's a suit. It will work on Mr. Hinkley, nobody else. There are these instructions. You're supposed to work with him to tell him what problems that need to be solved. It is up to you whether to accept. If you don't accept, then in two weeks the suit will disintegrate. A suit? I don't need a suit. I got plenty of suits. I'm coming down, okay? Nice working with you, Bill. 
Yeah, so Maxwell was, uh, Bill Maxwell's character was investigating and uh, trying to find his partner, uh, John, and finds out he's he's been shot and, and basically dead. And uh, he then, you know, this alien ship shows up and Ralph is given this suit. It's told, they told uh, both of them they need to work together to help uh, the world. The super suit will only work on Ralph. Only, And that's an important point. If somebody else puts on the suit, it won't work on him. And the, this instruction book, you know, read the instructions and that'll teach you how to use it. And again, like I said earlier, he loses that in, uh, during this first, um, little trip or after they, uh, I said, get the, uh, the thing. So, uh, it's, uh, you know, a good way and, and an interesting little premise, very, uh, you know, kind of Superman in a way, or maybe a little bit more like Green Lantern where you're given something that will give you superpowers, you know, Superman's more it's not the suit it's him that has the powers and in this case you know like in green lantern green lantern has the ring which allows him to do a lot of uh, super things and create things and all that and, and the suit gives um, gives william cat's character ralph these powers uh, in order to fly and and go invisible and see things uh, you know see things at a distance and lots of other powers that i'll talk about here as we go on so uh listen to another clip here about the suit i think uh, that's coming up next please Did you look at this thing everything out on the desert what's up well tomorrow is about the most important day in this whole custody suit so dress for the occasion and remember Alicia will be pawing the ground and breathing fire on our little band of crusaders oh did you see her today I spoke to her attorney he told me she has a beautiful tan from a modeling assignment in Brazil apparently the bathing suit commercial was a total success she'll make lots of money and she's all set to lavish it on Kevin well, that's an encouraging tidbit you sound down yeah. Look, Ralph, it's not going to be that tough. As your attorney, I can say we have it nailed down. She's off all over the place on these modeling assignments. She can't be yanking him in and out of schools. We'll do just fine. Remember, 12 o'clock, county courthouse, Judge Nesson's chambers, second floor. Thanks, Pam. Are you okay, hon? You sound wasted. I'll see you tomorrow. And there we uh, we get introduced to Pam, uh, the lawyer character, girlfriend uh, of Ralph, uh, and uh, she's working on this custody battle. Uh, in the early episodes, uh, really just here and a little bit in the first season, Ralph has a son, Kevin. And uh, the funny thing about him, and I, I don't remember exactly if they ever explain it, but he slowly kind of disappears from the show. <laughs> You know, here he's trying to fight for custody of him, but you eventually he doesn't really play much of a part in the show, but he does see Ralph, you know, is sort of somewhat in this costume in this first episode, so there's some humorous moments there. Ralph's trying to keep it kind of hidden from him and everything, but uh, it, it's uh, it's interesting that, it, you know, the sun just kind of vanishes, and that's, I remember that happens on some shows. I, I was going to tell you a little side story. Uh, my relationship, or at least when I first learned about this series, I didn't really 
start watching uh, The Greatest American Hero when it first aired. I missed probably, uh, I probably started sometime late in the first season. They had, a, I think, a shorter first season. And, and then the second season and the third season were full-length seasons. It started in the spring. So it was one of those spring trial time uh, things where they just, you know, showed, I think it was about maybe seven or eight episodes in the first season. And then the rest of them, you know, season two and three were full. Uh, but I started after a few episodes, and I hadn't even seen the pilot. Uh, and uh, and then eventually I got caught up on the show. Uh, I remember, actually, I was visiting some friends at another college. Oh, I just gave away some of my age. <laughs> you guys all know I'm, I'm, like, you know, ancient, but no, not really. Anyway, uh, but I watched this show. I caught an episode, and it really intrigued me. I like the humor. I like the characters, and and the fact that this wasn't your typical superhero type thing, where the the main character, you know, Stephen uh, Stephen J. Cannell wanted to create a, a character that was a little more human and tell kind of human stories. He didn't really want him to be saving, you know, the world from catastrophe each week. Uh, he wanted to tell things that were more around. Uh, you know, problems with, you know, humans, uh, rather than, you know, Ralph having to save the day and save the world every episode, kind of like the old TV series Adventures of Superman was. He didn't really want that, but the network wanted bigger things, so uh, uh, rather than these smaller episodes. And so there was always this push and pull between big episodes and small episodes, and it made the, the, the series a little you know, schizophrenic. In other words, some episodes seem to work real well and other ones not so much. And they didn't, they, you know, they had a variety of problems to solve as they went on. But uh, so if you want to, you know, a little bit of an idea of why it's like that, that's kind of why there was always, you know, one of these situations with the network wanting one thing and, and uh, Stephen Cannell wanting another. So uh, let me play another uh, clip. This is, I think, at the school the next day. Uh, Bill comes to talk to Ralph, uh, and, and you, this gives you a little bit more flavor for Bill's character, and you learn a little bit more about, you know, that he's a pretty by-the-book FBI guy. And, uh, well, there's a good conversation, so listen to this. How you doing, Bill? I got a ulcer that kicks up when I'm under stress. Ryan Whiskey, why don't you try some battery acid? Not the best therapy, no. I've been drunk in 10 years. Couldn't handle last night. I don't believe in that stuff. Whatever it was, poor John walking around, dead. We did see it. It was real. Yeah. There's something you gotta know about me. I'm by the book. Always have been, always will be. By the book. And it really bends my frame when things get over into the margins. Into the margins? I'd say we're clear off the page here. And I don't think you're my kind of guy, nothing personal, just a uh, fact of life. All this is kind of an apology for running out on you last night. That's not my style either, definitely not. So, <coughs> I apologize. It's high on my all-time list of favorites. Listen, you gotta go, I got a class. Oh, wait a minute, just wait a second. We got a little problem here, you and me. We got this, uh, suit or whatever uh, that we're supposed to uh, use? Is that the way you read it? I'm supposed to use. It's a small point, but I think a pertinent one. Well, what I got here, what you don't got, Mr. Hinckley, is a dead partner. If you will recall, somebody shot him full of holes, which is a definite no-no in my book. That's the same one I mentioned a moment ago, the one I go by. I, I think I got a way for us to go. First of all, I run a show. You got any problem with that? Yeah, a little one. 
Maybe a big one. <laughs> Tough. You take your instructions from me, we figure out a best guess scenario on what's going on, work from that. At least until I find whoever was nailed John, okay? Did you read the manual yet, the instructions? Uh, no. I gotta go. Try on a suit? Sort of. Wow. Well, nothing really. I, I haven't uh, quite figured out how it's supposed to work yet. Well, you should have read the instructions first. It's bound to be weird. Oh, I doubt that. I think that if they're as powerful as we've already seen, that would make it fairly simple to use. What's your address? I'll go over and start reading. It's not there. Where is it? Lost. Come again? <clears throat> the suit's in the car. I... I lost the instruction book. Come on, kid, don't play around. It's gone. Disappeared right after you did and before I got back to the van. I mean, it's a long walk. It's almost a mile. Yeah, really got me a live one here. Oh, boy. Look, I gotta go. Listen, you call me in a couple of days. If uh, I figure out how to make it work, we can meet then. We'll figure it out now, Butterfingers. And the next time I tell you something, the only thing I want to hear out of you is yes, sir, or how soon. That's all. That's it. That's the basic drill. I'm the guy with the suit, Mr. Maxwell. You give me any problems, I'm going to turn you into 170 pounds of dog chow. Now, you call me in a couple of days. That's the drill. Yeah, one of the cool things about this uh, relationship between Ralph and Bill Maxwell is that they, they're not really, they don't get along real well at first. They're kind of opposite. Bill's kind of a, you know, by-the-book FBI agent, doesn't like weird weirdness, doesn't believe in little green guys like he always calls them. Uh, and, and, and Ralph is, you know, this teacher. He tries to help these troubled students. He's the the touchy-feely one, as, as Bill would call him, of the group. And so they're really opposite, and, and their relationship, of course, is a little rough at first because of it. But they really, that works eventually very well because, and the aliens were kind of wise that the fact that they put together these two, because together they're, they're, they really work well together. They each see different things. And you wouldn't want two very similar people together because, you know, that would give them, they would be lacking in certain areas and stuff. I don't know. It just, it works real well. I like the fact that they kind of don't, you know, always see eye to eye and get along. And, and but eventually they, they come to have a lot of respect for each other and become very close friends as the series goes on. And, uh, and it works again real well. So, uh, and Robert Culp is just terrific in this series, a veteran actor and, and just really, really nails it here. And he Eventually, uh, there was a great episode at the end of, I think, season two uh, that he actually, I think, he wrote it and directed it. I think he wrote it, too. I'll have to look at when I play uh, one of these clips. But anyway, it's called Lilacs for Mr. Maxwell, and it's about a, a mole in the FBI who turns out to be a woman. And uh, I don't want to say too much more, but that's a great episode. And it shows how much talent, uh, you know, Robert Culp had here in this uh, series. And uh, and Stephen Cannell gave uh, Robert Culp full reign and full permission to do what he wanted basically in that episode so and it's it's one of the best of the series i think so and it shows that you know maxwell's always he doesn't really have a lot of you know emotional like heart and feelings in a way that he doesn't show most of the time he never that doesn't come out but in that episode it does a bit and uh, and it's it's really well done so all right let's play uh let's play another clip i think we're up to what are we up to i think we're uh, at a point where uh 
where Pam uh, sees Ralph, I think, when he's being, he's trying to get to the court and he has to put the suit on to try to fly there. And this little kid helps him out and says, you got to take a running leap. Anyway, uh, this, uh, they, the police end up grabbing Ralph and uh, he's kind of uh, at this, I think it's just a hospital at first because uh, they think he's hurt. And then Pam uh, shows up and she sees him in this weird suit. And uh, oh, I want to say something about the logo on the suit. The logo on the suit, I guess, was just a simple, uh, a couple of pair of scissors uh, put together that uh, Stephen Cannell just had on his desk and, and kind of drew up a little logo using that, uh, using scissors as the design. So nothing fancy there uh, for the suit's uh, symbol on the chest like Superman has a symbol. But anyway, here's a, a clip called uh, Pam Sees Ralph for the First Time. What on God's earth are you wearing? Alicia hired a private detective. He showed up at the courthouse just before I left. He had a picture of you lying under a wall in that suit. He said the cops arrested you. Then I got a call from the nurse and I came right over. I assume there's some sort of rational explanation. Yeah, there's an explanation. I'm not so sure it's all that rational. Are you all right? You look ridiculous. Well, thank you. Gee, I'm glad you like the outfit. It's quite a showstopper, isn't it? You guys are Gabriel's army, aren't you? You killed my partner, John Mackey. Agent Mackey found his salvation. Where are you taking me? To your salvation. Salvation? Salvation? Can't you see that? It's a wall. I see a wall. What do you see? It's the suit. Okay, Ralph. You sit down and I'm gonna go get a doctor, okay? Looks like Sand Canyon Highway. Oh, really? Is it a painting of the highway? Where's your car? It's in the parking lot. I'd fly, but I haven't quite got the hang of it yet. Fly. I gotta get out of here. I think you're very sick. I don't know why or how it could have happened so quickly. But maybe it was the strain of Alicia coming back and filing for custody of Kevin or something. I don't know. But whatever it is, we've got to get you straight in one big hurry. You see, if the judge gets his hands on this, you can forget ever keeping Kevin or retaining custody. You think I like this? You think I like wearing this silly suit? I didn't ask for this, Pam. I don't have time to sit around discussing it with you. I gotta get out of here. They have Bill. Bill. Yeah, so of course Pam uh, is is pretty doubtful of this whole thing that Ralph has this suit 
that it, it is letting him do these super amazing things and she thinks he's pretty much lost it and, and crazy and it, it's a common you know reaction to this kind of superhero kind of situation uh, i'll tell you a little bit more about um the uh the suit itself uh ralph's the uniform that he he wore and he, most of the time you could see him wearing it under his clothes in in various episodes and uh it, it was bright red and black and you could see the collar of the suit underneath his 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 uh, he'd have a shirt on with the first couple of buttons open. And uh, I kind of actually got into the habit of wearing uh, like a red colored T-shirt during the time I was watching this show a lot. I'll admit something kind of silly at the time and uh, wore that underneath my clothes. And, uh, you know, it was fun, you know, whatever. OK, enough about that. Uh, but this suit allowed Ralph to have uh, the powers of flight, super strength, of course, uh, resistance to um, uh, the uh, various injuries he would receive, as long as they were uh, things that uh, were areas that were covered by the suit. His head and his hands and things like that were not. So it, you keep that in mind because there's a couple of times where you'll bump his head and things like that happens to him. And, and it do, that does actually hurt him. But he could eventually go invisible, which we had a little tricky time controlling. He had tricky time controlling all of his powers. Uh, he could see things precognition, postcognition, um, some ESP, telekinesis, x-ray vision even, super speed, of course pyrokinesis, holographic vision, he could even shrink uh, and uh, detect the supernatural. Uh, he's resistant to fire and heat, uses super breath, uh, and, uh, and, and he also showed some signs of being able to control minds when uh, he was exposed to high doses of radiation and a couple of things. Uh, but, uh, so his powers were really vast and what it sometimes was is a new episode would pop up and he would learn a new power. You know, he would learn something new the suit could do and those would become part of his arsenal of stuff that he could do with the suit over time. And, and, you know, again, because he didn't have the instruction book, that was sort of a, a learning uh, curve that he was on to, to pick up different powers and then eventually, uh, you know, know what he needed to do. And he got pretty good with most of it. You know, he eventually got pretty good with the flying. Uh, and uh, the effects on this show, being a television show, being, you know, from 30 years ago, they're definitely crude. They're, you know, there's no denying that the TV budgets at those times and what they could do uh with uh, with making somebody look like they could fly especially was a little bit janky and not so great but uh, you know it's the heart there's a lot of heart and and uh and fun and just good feeling about watching this show uh nothing super serious nothing super dangerous mostly happened and you know it's just fun to watch and very enjoyable uh, i did want to say before i forget i got a couple of the clips and more to talk about but the show, for those of us in the United States at least, is is all on Hulu, and not you don't even have to be a Hulu like Prime or whatever it's called, a Plus member. Uh, the, it looks like the weird thing about it is is that the one episode that's not on on Hulu is the pilot episode. For some reason, the rest of the series is there, uh, so you can watch it there, uh, except for the pilot, which I'm sure you can find elsewhere online. I think it's even on YouTube in parts. You know how people will put up stuff on YouTube and break it up into like you know eight or ten minute increments, so. 
Um, and there's a lot of Superman connections, you know, in this. Uh, you know, Ralph's trying to keep his secret identity going. He doesn't want most people that he knows. It was mostly just Maxwell, Bill Maxwell, and and uh, Connie's character Pam, his his girlfriend that knew about him and the suit, uh, and uh, and no one else. You know, other people occasionally would find out, but he tried to always quickly change like Superman, and then and then uh, and then put the put his regular clothes back on over it. Uh, William Cat even commented a couple of times that the suit was very uncomfortable, not not unlike his character, unlike you know, Ralph Hinckley, but the suit itself was uncomfortable to wear. And they slowly made slight alterations to the costume to make it a little more comfortable for the actor to wear uh, throughout the series. But uh, but anyway, uh, just, uh, just thought I'd mention that. The next clip I think I have for you, this one is uh, when they're they're riding uh, after they leave the hospital, and then Ralph tries to explain what's going on with the suit and everything like that, even though Pam still isn't really buying most of this. Ralph, I dearly care about you. I, I even, I love you. I wouldn't tell you this now, but I think I have a heavy emotional stake in your future. That's terrific, Pam. And I feel the same way about you. I really do. I mean, after this custody thing was over. Ralph, talk to me, please. Well, I was gonna. We'll deal with it together, whatever it is. Are you sure? I'm ready. I can handle anything. Okay. Okay. Last night, I was approached by a flying saucer out in the desert. Anyway, this saucer, they, they talked to us over the car radio. And Bill's partner, he's a G-man. He came out of the saucer, but he was dead. And he had this package under his arm, and he gave it to me. And there were instructions on how to use the suit, but I lost them. And, and, and I tried to fly to the courthouse because I was in this terrible traffic jam. But I, I couldn't fly straight, and and I went into this wall, and 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 I I got hauled off and arrested. It's a twenty on the Richter scale, isn't it? You should try it from where I sit. I mean, I could kill the guy who designed this suit. Why couldn't it have narrow lapels and a cutaway jacket? Why did it have to be long johns and a cape? I put this thing on, I feel like I'm six years old. <laughs> Have been replaced by neon lights and the mini malls. Yeah, so Pam is not still buying most of this. Eventually she'll, and, and I'll tell you in a few with her, there's another couple of clips to play, but uh, she eventually in the first pilot gets, uh, Ralph lifts up her car and, and proves to her that, you know, he does have these abilities in the super suit uh, as uh, as it's called, uh, gives him the ability to do all these crazy things. Uh, one thing I was going to say that was interesting about the show is they never really named his superhero character. It wasn't like called Superman or Green Lantern or, you know, whatever, Super Teacher Guy. What, you know, he never got a, uh, a name for the superhero alter ego that he had, uh, which I, I like that in a way that, you know, that, you know, there was no real need for that, I guess. 
a couple of things. Uh, well, I think I'm going to hold that till the very end. I was going to talk about a couple of spin-off things that that projects that happened uh, for this, but we've got a couple of clips left to play, so let's get through those. Uh, the next one I think is when Pam uh, meets Bill for the first time, which is a good little scene, and then we're going to have an ending clip at, after that. But I'll come back in between. So listen to the uh, the meeting of uh, Pam, the lawyer, and Bill Maxwell, FBI agent. My head feels like 20 pounds of silly putty. Next time we go flying together, try not to make me your landing pad, please. So, you guys went flying. Who is she? Who are you? Pam Davidson, my attorney. This is Bill Maxwell. We're in the superhero business together. Hello. What attorney? You're too pretty. <laughs> so, my son the flyer. The magic suit really works. I mean, outside of a little barrel roll problem you got there, which you're gonna solve, that thing really son of a gun works. I wonder what that material's made out of. We should have a hundred of them. That was my best earth shoes. Superman, he used to stash his clothes in a phone booth, and then he'd come back and he'd pick them up later. Try that today, get ripped off in 10 seconds. Boy, this is gonna cost me a fortune. And what is your interest in this enterprise, Miss Davidson? Oh, I'm just here to do the Lois Lane jokes. Other than that, I really am an attorney. And something of a feminist, I bet. Bill likes to get his labels on secure so he won't lose his way during any semi-complicated discussions. I'll tell you one thing, if you want to know, our little green guys, whoever they are, made one mistake. They gave the suit to the wrong guy. I've been in this game for 20 years. And when the chips go down, they give you the pigskin, and old Maxwell gets the shovel, again. What am I doing hooked up with you? We couldn't agree on how to make Kool-Aid. All I need right now is another $2 haircut telling me where to go and how high to Shut jump. Shut up! Shut up! Now, pull up over there, off the road. So you get you get a little taste of the relationship between the three main characters there, uh... Uh, Bill Maxwell always started to call uh, Pam uh, counselor. She he pretty much calls her counselor, if I remember right. In all the episodes, hardly ever calls her Pam. Uh, he, he's just funny like that, and uh, you know I, I think I like uh, Maxwell's character the best. He's just so funny, and uh, Robert Culp is just terrific in this series, and and really adds a lot of uh, charm and just just coolness to it and all, and. Uh, it's just he's just this tough old guy, and he's not uh, doesn't take any crap from anyone, and uh, he's also somebody that's good to have on Ralph's side, really, and, and kind of keeps him grounded in a way. And uh, he's always after Ralph to try to like learn more about the suit and how to use the suit and stuff like that. Uh, one last clip here. They kind of solve their little problem and, and what's going on in the in the first pilot episode. Uh, there's sort of this political thing going on with the, involving the president and stuff, but it, it's not super important. I wanted to kind of focus on the on the suit and the characters and how they all get started here on their on their um, little adventures of three seasons of the greatest American hero. So here's the last clip. They go back out into the desert and have another run in with the alien ship. They're really trying to get like another instruction book or get some information or something from them. And uh, and then I'm going to come back with some other information and, and wrap up uh, the the look at this show. Does any of this feel familiar to you, Bill?
done. Well, we are satisfied to should try power of invisible. Good luck. Powers of invisibility, what? What? How do you do it? What powers of invisibility? I, I, I lost, I lost the instruction book. Wait, wait, don't go. I'm walking on air, I never thought I could feel so free. And that's how the pilot episode of The Greatest American Hero ends. It uh, ran again for 44 episodes in total. Uh, actually, ABC canceled it uh, before the last four episodes aired. Of course, they are on DVD. Actually, uh, there are some amazing deals right now to buy this whole series. I just checked this morning, and it is like $12 for the complete series on DVD on Amazon.com right now. And, you know, how you can't beat that. Uh, there's a pretty active Facebook page also for the series that William Catton uh, contributes to pretty regularly uh, about uh, convention appearances and other things related to the series. So check that out if you're a fan. A couple other uh, things. This series, they tried to... Um, they tried to reboot it. They were going to do this thing called The Greatest American Heroine in 19, around 1986. Uh, the principal cast reunited a pilot film for a NBC, not ABC this time. Uh, but it didn't result in a uh, series. The pilot was actually never broadcast. Uh, but uh, the, uh, the episode, ultimately the pilot... Uh, was re-edited as an episode of the series, and uh, it was sent into a. They put it in a syndication package with the original series, uh, where it airs sort of as the final episode as well. So, uh, so yeah, this greatest American hero heroine project. I'm sorry, it was supposed to be a new series, but it didn't end up taking off. The uh, premise of that was that uh, it was supposed to take place a few years after the final episode of the series itself. And uh, what happens was that Ralph's secret identity was supposed to be uh, revealed to the public. So he sort of becomes a celebrity, and the, uh, this upsets the aliens who gave him the suit. And they, t uh, they tell him he has to find a new hero to wear the costume and use its power for fighting evil. And that once this transfer is made, that all memories of Ralph's exploits will be purged from the world's memory, and only uh, Ralph, Pam, and Bill would remember that. Uh, Bill uh, Maxwell runs uh, the, you know, qualities that he's looking for through databases they find this young woman who's an elementary school teacher also a teacher like ralph was uh, holly hathaway uh, played by mary ellen stewart and uh you know she spends her off time from school teaching uh looking for lost kittens uh doing environmental awareness causes and things like that so uh most of the this episode deals with her learning to use the suit under bill maxwell's guidance and, and they're trying to form a working kind of relationship so, uh, but anyway, there's also uh, uh, some web episodes that have been uh, created by some people that you can find on YouTube. Uh, another interesting thing uh, was that Nathan Fillion, yes, Nathan Fillion of Firefly and Castle, uh, around 2009, he was very interested in rebooting the series with him in the role uh, of the, the greatest American hero. 
Uh, here's a little quote from Nathan. Uh, I just finished watching the DVD collection and thought it had some really great direction. I think it's kind of kind of slipped and slid around a little bit, and they changed the main character's name a couple of times, but it seemed to be suffering from the same kind of mistreatment that uh, Firefly suffer, suffered from. Episodes being shown out of order, never more than uh, two weeks consecutively, being preempted for different things. It's too bad they just didn't let it continue in this very strong direction and just let it become its own thing. Let it grow and become incredibly strong. What better way to pay homage to something as I enjoyed as a younger man than to do it again? But that project never really went anywhere. There's been talk of a movie. They've, they've talked about that. Uh, they also did a, a few comic books. William Cat worked on those. Uh, as well so uh, you know there's there's a little stuff out there still about the series that's fun to see and I, I highly suggest if you are at all a fan or interested in watching this just pick up the DVD collection like I said super cheap on Amazon and and well worth the price you can also find the episodes on Hulu like I said and I'm sure you can find them in other places as well so a fun little show and, and a, one that I'm a big fan of and just has a lot of great moments a lot of heart and great characters so check it out the greatest american hero i'm going to take just a short break here and i will come back we'll wrap up today's podcast tell you what's coming up on treks in sci-fi hi this is chase masterson from star trek deep space nine and you're listening to treks in sci-fi podcast Okay, uh, next week uh, you are going to have uh, you're gonna have Rick Moyer and Chris talking about the original pilot episode uh, of Battlestar Galactica, the original series uh, from way back and when did that first air? 1978, I think. So that's uh, coming up next week, and in two weeks, like I had said earlier on the show, you're gonna have the big uh, live video streaming anniversary episode for the show. We're gonna have a lot of cool stuff to do and have a lot of fun and that will be i'm going to do it i believe it's going to be sunday that weekend still and uh, it'll be on uh whatever that is september the is that about the second or something is that right i think september 2nd yeah whatever two weeks from today is and uh, i will post uh, i'll link uh and a date and time on the main website most likely it'll be sometime about midday uh over you stream on that date where i'll be live live streaming and uh, over video and this time i'm toying with the idea of recording the video and releasing that later as well but i'm not quite sure yet we'll, we'll see how that works out i gotta do a few tests so <laughs> but that's coming up on the podcast and we got some definitely some cool guest spots coming up in, in september and into october that i'm setting up with a few people as well the that should be up on the schedule soon so a couple last-minute things, uh, donations and iTunes reviews, all that information, those are always great. Uh, just go to treksandsci-fi.com. Uh, we also are on Facebook now. There's a big link there on the main page if you want to join us on Facebook. And please join the forum also. Uh, just send me an email, treksf at gmail.com, and I'll set you up on the forum. I've pretty much closed off the, the automated uh, signing up thing because it's just too much trouble too many spam bots and weird uh you know robots try to just make accounts on forums these days so but if you want to be on the forum it's real easy to shoot me an email treksf at gmail.com and i'll set you up so that's it everyone have a great week uh have a great couple of weeks next time i see you and talk to you it will be for the live show next week uh battlestar original series with chris and rick so take care everyone until i talk to you again and uh have fun for the uh end of your summer and Getting to the fall time, people will be going back to school, uh, vacations are getting to be over, so it's, uh, you know, back to the regular grind, I guess. <laughs> anyway, everyone, I'll, I'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.
This has been a Rick Dusty podcast production.